0: This is episode number 29 with Peter Kelly. The Melissa Ambrosini Show. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, and I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe to uncover the habits, the habit, mindsets, and mindset. tools, and rituals that they have used to become world-class so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? beautiful. Recently featured in Forbes magazine and also named in Inc. Magazine's list of top 27 female entrepreneurs changing the world, she is a divine soul and a barefoot bandit on a mission to unleash the genius of Gen Ys globally. She dropped being a PhD science nerd at age 22 and went on the pursuit of that thing that was calling her higher. That's when she found her first business pursuit in the network marketing and became a a seven-figure-a-year earner by the age of 26. Her network marketing journey led her to her bigger, more global soul work. And she's now building a global enterprise, Genius, a global hub of nakedly brilliant people mobilized to create epicness for our planet through conscious enterprise and magical collaborations. Sounds good to me. Peter teaches the new way to live, lead, earn, And give. And what excites her the most is bringing her brilliant, badass generation together as one team and one family so that we can gift our planet and our kitties an environment where they can truly thrive. You guys are going to love Peter. We have had many, many mutual friends and been connected on social media for years and never lived in the same city and never really got the opportunity to connect. And she recently moved a few streets away from me. So I am so grateful that we got to meet in person and her and her husband are just so beautiful and doing such great things in the world. And I'm super pumped for you guys to hear from her today. In today's episode we chat about how she became a self-made millionaire at age 25, how she mastered her mean girl to retire her mum at age 26, how she busts through fear today, why rewriting your money story is key to abundance and how you can do it, why alignment is the key to financial freedom. The one tool that will change your relationship with money forever. Why being nice to money is imperative. How to become financially free. Her three powerful M's that will rock your life. Plus so much more. For everything that Peter and I mention in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that is at Melissa forward slash twenty-nine. I'm so excited for you guys to hear from this real awesome and divine woman, Peter Kelly. Peter, welcome. Before we dive in, can you please tell us what you had for breakfast this morning?
1: Oh, I had a smoothie um, and it's just loaded with super duper nutrients. And then I put granola on top of the smoothie because I'm pregnant and I just am eating for two. So I had a delicious breakfast this morning and breakfast is my favorite.
0: Oh, me too. It's the best. Now, I am super pumped to have you on the show today. And you have such an epic story. For those that have never heard about your story, you became at age 25 a self-made millionaire with an organization of 40,000 people globally. But I'm guessing this just didn't happen overnight. So can you take us back and tell us how you got to where you are today and how you became a self-made millionaire by age 25?
1: Yeah, but it's just crazy to think about those words like I never think about, you know, multimillionaire or anything like that, but it's it's just so wild. Like I look back on my journey and it's 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 so fun to look back, you know, it's so fun, but it's just it does sometimes feel like I was like put into a washing machine and like tumbled around and then spat out and now I have like this awesome story and so many so much of it feels like I'm still learning what happened now. Um, but I grew up in Fremantle in Perth in Western Australia, even though my accent sounds now like uh, I have a little bit of American in it. I'm very well aware of that because I've lived in the US the last couple of years. Um, and I was raised by a single mum of four. So I was always taught to work really hard and to do whatever you needed to do to uh, fulfill what you really wanted to do. You know, my mum's my mom worked super hard as a teacher, um, with four children on her own because she just, she wanted us to have everything. And she just always told me that there was absolutely zero excuses and that, you know, you can like just get it done. And so I always had that attitude. And I, when I went through school, I knew that um, I always had a big goal to become a doctor by the time I was 25. So I went to school. I worked really hard, and then I went to UWA and I got a, um, I got into the course I wanted to get into, which was exercise physiology. And then I did my honours and I got my paper published. And I was really on track to become a doctor, like a PhD doctor, by the time I was 25. And I thought that that was just like the path, the way. You know, this is this is it. You know, like if you're so lucky to get a PhD scholarship, you go for it, and. I did get my PhD scholarship and it was like all my dreams have come true, you know, like I was going to have a doctor in front of my name by the time I was 25. Ah! Um, and another big one of my goals was that I wanted to retire my mom. So as I said, she was a single mom of four, um, just hardest working, most selfless woman I know. And I just thought, well, you know what, if I become like a doctor in my field, maybe I can just earn a lot of money and and give some to her every week so that she can just finally have a week off, You know, <laughs> you know? like just give her a break and um but when I got about six months into my PhD and I was getting ready to share my um my proposal with the board I just had like this overwhelming feeling of it it was like this this overwhelming feeling essentially of are you really happy it was like my soul was like screaming at me like can you just stop a minute and check in like are you really happy and Uh, It was just, there was just so many shoulds going on. And we all know what what that's like. So much noise. You know, you should be a doctor by the time you're 25. Like, you should be so grateful for this. Um, What else are you going to do if you don't do this? Like, who do you think you are to think that there's anything else out there for you? And so while my soul and my body actually was telling me, Peter, it's time to move on from science now and pursue something else, um, my head very much was not letting me. And so I battled and I battled until one day and I always describe it. It was like the boombox in my head just exploded and my soul just had the microphone. And she was like, okay, this is what you're going to do. You're going to leave your PhD now and you're just going to trust me and we're going to take a leap and there's something else for you. And that was that was tough because, you know, I had my whole life planned out. Um, I was 22 at this point, um, but I trusted and I leapt, And that's when I fell into the world of, um, the world of network marketing, which was my first uh, real business venture, and I had no, I had no business uh, experience in my family. You know, I did not come from a family of money. Obviously, you know, my dad worked in the mines early in our life. My mom was a teacher. Just, just no one. You know, I didn't, I didn't have business in my blood essentially. Um, but when I was introduced to this business model. I started to, uh, and there's a long story there that I won't get into because I want to get into more of the juicy part, but I fell into the business model accidentally and I started to realize the potential of what it could mean for, um, not just for my life and for my family, but for my generation. And there was no one at that time who was like a young millennial who was really who was really doing this, who was really... Um, using this network marketing business model to uh, live life on their terms, to lead a team, to cast a vision for others of what their life could be like. And so when I finally grasped what it could do, I felt like I was almost like anointed, like, okay, Peter, look, this is a business model. Here's what it can do. Here's what it can teach to your generation. Now just go and freaking do it. And as soon as the vision sort of landed for me, I just, I did, I just, I started building, you know, my first business, which is in network marketing. And I started leading a team and I started um, doing events and I started speaking to young people around the world and just looking them in the eyes and saying, I want you to know that, you know, if your path right now doesn't feel good and you are really uh, freaking dreading each day of your life, just because it's a big should for the rest of the world. And just because it sounds really amazing and impressive for the rest of the world, what this PhD or this um, climbing up the corporate ladder, it doesn't mean that it's your path. And you know, I was just looking these young people in the eyes and just sharing the sharing with them what I was learning to be true. You know that there is always another option for us, and that when we think about, you know, when when we <laughs> there's so many people posting on Instagram back then, like where I'd rather be, and if only, and one Powerball, and in my soul, I just knew that it was like, no, guys, like stop, like. That sh- they shouldn't just be freaking hashtags. Like, we, we really can live. Like, we're so freaking privileged to be alive right now at a time where, like, our brilliance is just so welcomed and anything really is possible. So, and I just wanted to be that example for young people to to show them that you can build something really meaningful and you can have a thriving income and you can do what you really wanted to do. And for me, that was retire my mom. Um, and I did that in April 2015, along with my brother, we retired her and you know we've been able to go on family holidays that we never could go on before. But more than that, I've been able to... Um, partner with organizations in in Africa and Bali, um, you know, all over the world and just give and be that example for young people of what you can do if you just literally turn the shoulds right down and ask yourself like, all right, what do I really want to do? And so I, I built that business for um has solid for years and and the the business now stands for over sixty thousand people. and the best part about it is it's just young people with in in super heart centered consciousness who are um thriving in terms of their income. but what that really means is that they're thriving in terms of having all the resources to do what they're called to do and uh, you know have resources to build things that Really mean a lot to them. And that's what my journey has led me to now. Um, You know, I evolved even out of network marketing to now build, you know, events and programs and um, foundations and things that mean a lot to me so that I can. Just be be part of this game of life, you know, in a way that I think we we all so badly want to be, but to never, ever have that guilt of, you know, thinking that because we require abundance in our life to fulfill our life's mission, that we're bad or that we're um, greedy or that, you know, but it's like some of us with these big soul callings, we just got to own the fact that money's on our team. and. You know, when we have money in the right hands, we really can evolve consciousness. And conscious enterprise is such a a beautiful gateway for the change we all want to see. So, that was my journey from science to network marketing to now conscious enterprise and working with millennials all over the world. And it's just been crazy, but the best. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's so
0: awesome. I love hearing your journey and your story. One thing that came up for me whilst I was listening to you was there must have been a massive element of mastering your own inner mean girl to really trust. When your soul said, come and leap with me, Peter, I'm sure that your inner mean girl would have said some pretty nasty things to you. You know, maybe you can't do this or who do you think you are? how did you move through that fear back then? And today, how
1: do you move through it when it pops up today? Yeah. And there was so much Mean Girl. um, And it's still, I mean, like you said, there's still Mean Girl. Um, But yeah, like like I said, the the Mean Girl really came to me in the form of um, back then. And this is when I didn't really understand the soul and the ego back then. Like I wasn't, you know, I wasn't super well versed in this idea of like the voice and the noise. But when I think back to what it sounded like, it was just like, Peter, you have to work hard at everything. Like, who do you think you are that you could actually like want more than just the traditional job? Like, you know, you're so grateful to have a PhD scholarship. Like, like who just was like, who do you think you are? Like, you don't know anything about business. You don't know anything about anything other than science and sport and school. So why don't you just stick to that? Um, You know, who do you, who do you think you are to think you can retire your mom? Like who retires their mom when they're 25? That's stupid. Just, you know, it just all the things that are trying to keep us safe. And it did sound a lot meaner back then than I think it does now because it's just a little bit out of control. Um, and and along the whole journey it's been like that. Just you know, even even when I was earning seven figures in my mid twenties and there were still mean girl moments of um You know, like, for instance, my schedule got so hectic at one point. I was literally on planes more than I was in my home in Perth. I just was never home. I was always on a plane. I was always out speaking. I was just, I was just nonstop doing 16 hour days. And it started to just get really exhausting for me. But my mean girl didn't let me stop. She was like, well, you're so lucky to have everything you have. Don't stop sharing it with others. Don't stop helping other people have it too. Don't stop giving. Don't stop serving the mean girl evolved from like, who do you think you are? You can't take a leap to like, once I had taken the leap, it was very much about like, well, you can't slow down. Like you can't stop. Like you're, you're back then, you know, I was single. I, you know, I had a lot of resources. I had all the energy in the world to keep serving. I was doing a lot of stuff, keep going, keep going, keep going. And, and as a result, I would burn out. And so and I started to learn over the years what um what was my mean girl and what was my noise and I call it the voice versus the noise and and sometimes they're very blurred you know sometimes the the noise sounds like the voice. And sometimes the voice sounds like the noise and there's, and <laughs> it's like our ego and our soul. Sometimes they sound the same, the ego or the mean girl. They're so crafty. And as we evolve and as we expand, they've got to get even craftier because we get even wiser and we get more expansive when we get in more and even more in touch and in tune. So over the years, as I started to learn more about, you know, this concept of soul and ego and, and me girl and noise and, and the inner voice, um, you know, my mean girl did have to start working harder. I had to start um, becoming a little bit more crafty and, you know, and subtle as well. You know, and like I said, sometimes what I most wanted to do was have like a day off here and there. And there was for so long, I just didn't let myself because it was my mean girl saying, well, you like, you, you know but well, now you have everything like why why do you deserve a week off like do you know there's some people in the world who aren't eating like do you know you still have work to do how could you possibly have a rest when there's still all these people who need you like there's so many people who are hungry look at all the mums who can't afford nappies like just over and over and over again and although you know my soul very much sometimes sounds like that like keep going my body was telling me no peter you you, you know what you can thrive and serve at the same time like your service should never be out of obligation and guilt and oh but I feel so bad so I must like our service should always be out of inspiration and so I learned that and even just now it shows up all the time in like you know that's one of my patterns this inability to slow down it's like you know it's just like this over over the top sense of responsibility that I have and my mean girl my noise plays on it all the time it's like well um it's just this—this this carrying the whole world on my shoulders, right? And like, well, you know, if you don't do this, then who's going to? And you know, well, you know what—if you don't speak out on this, who's going to? And you know, what if your tribe thinks that you're not? You know, it's just—it just this over-the-top voice of over-responsibility. And I've just really learned lately that when it does start to get loud, and when my body, because I think the thing is you can always feel it in your body. What's the difference between your soul and your mingle? You can always feel it in your body. One of them feels grounded and sure and spacious. And the other one feels tight and desperate and anxious and heavy. So I think the first thing I learned to do was just to know the difference between the two. And secondly, just recognize when When my mean girl, my noise was getting loud, it was a sign that I really needed to pay attention and unwind my nervous system and slow down and and tune in. Because when the noise or the mean girl is loud, it means that the the soul really doesn't have much room to speak because everything's so noisy, everything's so fast, the nervous system is just go, 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 go. We're just, you know, book to podcast to computer to phone to laptop and so that's what I've learned is when I can just really control that and really master the, the spaciousness I let myself have in my life, then I can hear more the difference between what is trying to keep me safe and the voice that's trying to let me expand. And although there's very subtle differences, when we can um, unwind our nervous system, I think they become a lot more clear.
0: Hmm something I'm currently working on is when I'm on being on and when I'm off being fully off like not being half off and having one toe over looking at my phone so to speak but when I'm resting or relaxing or being with my family being fully there not thinking about work or scrolling instagram whilst I'm talking to leo you know just being fully where I'm at. And it sounds like that's, you know, something that you're kind of experimenting with as well.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely.
0: You talk about all these limiting mean goal beliefs that you had when you first started. I believe that it's possible to dissolve the source of limiting money beliefs and rewrite our money story. So how can we do that? What are the tips, the tools and the tricks that you have used with your tribe and with yourself? Because for me, I hit rock bottom when I was 25 and ended up in hospital. And I realized that I had a lot of limiting beliefs in every area of my life. And one that I'd learned from my parents was that money was hard to come by and you've got to work really, really hard because my parents didn't have a lot of money. Um, My dad migrated to Australia when he was about nine years old and didn't speak a word of English. And he finished school in year 10 to go get a job so that he could help contribute to my dad's family. So he has this real hustle mentality, got to work really hard, Melissa, you know? And so I had to do a lot of rewiring and reprogramming and rewriting my beliefs around money and abundance. And I know this is something that you work on with your tribe is rewriting their money story. So how do we do that?
1: Yeah, and that's, I just love this topic, which is so important, especially for the, you know, conscious and aware and awake and heart-centered communities of our world, because it's a conversation that most people, um, uh, most people don't associate with consciousness is money and. No, I'm a firm believer that, as we want to evolve into a more conscious world, a more sustainable world, a more thriving planet, a more equal world, that we really can't turn our back on money and we really can't um, separate it from this conversation of consciousness. Like I firmly believe that you know our generation is here to rewrite the story of money for the collective. Um, and that starts with us individually rewriting our own money stories. And I think we're so similar, and I think many of our generation is similar in that we do have parents who are very much working class. And I know for me, um, that's exactly what I had too. My mom was, I'm like, like I said, single mom before, and she worked her ass off um, as a school teacher. And she worked. I mean, she didn't just work her ass off as a school teacher. She then did the soccer teams afterwards, and she did the volunteering at the cake stall, and she did the um, the chairman of the athletics club. She just always, you know, she just she was just a workhorse essentially. And she she didn't grow up with money, and she didn't feel worthy of a lot of money. And uh, you know, part growing up, although we never went without, you know, I, I noticed that in her, and I also noticed how stressful she was, um, how stressed she was because of money. Those times when we, um, we thought, you know, mom thought we were going to lose our house and we were, you know, mom had to sell cars so we could go on our soccer trips. So money was always tight, um, for us growing up, but there was one thing that my mom did teach me about money, which, um, very much became a part of my story now. And that was that, uh, you know, every year, regardless of how tight it was for us at Christmas, she would take a huge hamper of toys, food, um, and you know, anything and everything we could gather up to the Salvation Army for Christmas. And that she was just so big on no matter how little you have, or ma- no matter how tight things are, you always give to your community and you always take care of people who are less fortunate than you. So I saw my mom be someone who, um, who gave everything she had so selflessly. Um, but I suppose didn't realize and maybe didn't feel worthy of, of a, a life that wasn't so hard it was very much hard um so I knew when I knew that I wanted to retire my mom I knew that I had to rewrite the story for my, not just myself but for my whole family and it took a while and it took a while it took a while for um the people around me too because everybody has their own money story and if you are displaying a money story that challenges their challenges theirs you're going to know about it and so when I first started earning more money than the normal um female uh, in their early 20s. It was because I was so aligned in my heart about why I wanted to. And I think that's the key with the money story is when we want to change our money story, we we need to genuinely be choosing a money story that's aligned for us. I think that's where a lot of people trip up is they they don't know why they want money. They don't know if they want money, um, or if they do want money, they feel so much guilt around it. And this, this real key to anything that feels good in our life. And the real key to embodying anything new is, is alignment. So, when I was in my early twenties, I noticed the money stories around me, what I could choose to have, what I like, I could choose to borrow this person's money story, this person's money story, or this person's money story. And there was a lot of rewarding money stories around me. And there was a lot of non-rewarding money stories around me. So the first step was acknowledging what was my money story? And what was my relationship with money? That was the first thing to to acknowledge. And I had to notice uh, where in my life I felt like there was never enough or where in my life I felt like you had to literally work all day, every day for it. And I had to choose, okay, what money story do I want now? What money story do I want to create now? Because every, everything is a story. And, you know, I know that everybody says, well, money is energy yeah, it is energy, but before it's energy, it's a story. And it's the story we tell ourselves about why our life is the way it is. And we can't do anything until we can stare our money story blank in the face and be like, okay, my life is exactly the way it is right now because my story that I keep telling myself and I keep telling everyone else, the story that my cells are telling the world, like the story that my identity is literally instructing the world with needs to change Or even winning Lotto is not going to make you rich because your energetic instructions to the world are still going to demand that the money disappears from your life. So we have to stare our money story blank in the face and we have to recognize what's my money identity? Like, what are the energetic instructions I'm giving to the world right now about money? Like, do I have a limit, whether it's $50,000 a year or do I have this story that when I go out to lunch with my friends, we have to split the bill because, you know, we only should pay for what we eat and that we shouldn't go and spend money on other people. Like those are the sort of behaviors that are constantly instructing the world to respond to us when it comes to money. So we need to really face off with A, our story, whether we borrowed it from our parents, whether we grew up with it. And you know what? It's so normal for people to have A non rewarding money story. Let's be honest. Like, it's not really that common for people to be like, well, I have a great money story. My parents taught me about conscious money and, you know, my identity when I was four. Like, that doesn't happen really. So, everybody has a little bit of work to do, I think. Whether you grew up with a lot or whether you grew up with a little, a lot of people's money story still needs to be woven with some alignment and some consciousness. So, recognizing our story and then recognizing our um, behaviors and recognizing our identity. Like, what is the instruction we're giving to the world around money right now. And I do a lot of this work with my tribe, a lot of this work. And the first thing I get people to do is to write a love letter to money. And this is something that my whole tribe comes back to me with and they're like, I am in tears and I'm just like, well, why? Like, tell tell me what went on. And I guide them to do this. And they say, I just didn't realize how terrible I was to money and how much I blamed it for everything and how much resistance and like toxic residue I held in my cells towards money. So I get people to write a love letter to money first. And I get them to write it like, literally like, dear money, like, you know, well, uh, we go way back and, you know, I, I remember when when I was little I'm watching my mom and dad fight over you or whatever, but then so to acknowledge their relationship with money but also to really get into their appreciation for money. So, I mean, I mean, like, we all need four hours for me to go into this whole thing, but writing a love letter to money helps you dissolve your resistance to it and it helps you recognize the fact that it's responding to you because of it, how you were treating it. Like money doesn't judge us we judge money. So the first thing is writing a love letter to money, dissolving our residue, dissolving our resistance around it, and recognizing that money isn't, um, money isn't just hating on us and not wanting to come to us because of us. It's, we are either welcoming it or repelling it with our story, with our um, words, with our actions, with our behaviors, and with our identity. So we got to realize that if money is an energy, why is it either coming to me or not coming to me? What work do I have to do to clean up my energetic environment around money? And then we move on to another step, which is a genuine appreciation. And A lot of people don't appreciate money at all, and you don't have to be rich to appreciate money. Everybody listening to your podcast right now can afford Wi-Fi, can afford an iPhone or a Samsung or whatever to listen to this podcast. And there's so many ways money is already working in our lives, like heating bill, Wi-Fi, being able to afford healthy food, you know, being able to have all the ways that money is already working in our life. Like we all have online banking. Why? Because we are participating. Money is coming to us, right? And yet we wonder why it doesn't come in greater amounts. And it's because there's absolutely no appreciation for it. And for something to grow, we need to appreciate it. This is why people use the word appreciation when it comes to assets. Like things that we appreci- appreciate means to grow, right? Like an appreciating asset. So if we ex- really want our money to expand, we-, we need to appreciate it and genuinely appreciate it. Like appreciate how it's already working in our lives. So I get people to include that in their money love letter as well. And then we move on to alignment. So what do you really want money to do in your life? And can you really own that? Because money doesn't judge us. And here's like where I get real fiery is that for me and what I want to do, like Eric and I just built a community in um, in Kenya and that community is soon, um, our partner organization Unstoppable, they're soon to put a college on that community where they will be able to um, like the children of that community in Kenya are going to be able to go through school, but not just go through school. They're going to be able to leave and they're going to be able to study entrepreneurship, nursing, and not just things like that, which are how to earn their money. They're going to be able to do full leadership courses. And I think about how I feel when I get calls like that, that say, Hey, this is what um, is happening in the, in your community. I mean, I just think to myself, I changed my money story because I love what I am able to do for the world. and so, in my heart, I feel aligned with money. Do you know what I mean? It's like the one step above appreciation is this alignment. like I don't need to have billions. That's not aligned. that's not alignment for me. But do you know what? having more than most, like that's what my soul requires me to do because I'm constantly building things. I'm building companies. I'm employing people. I'm giving a lot. You know, I love to eat organic food. And and that's another thing we've got to realize is our soul is calling us to earn money to fulfill our soul's calling. And and a lot of people's identity is not allowing them to follow their soul's calling. And so when I wake up in the morning, I say, thank you for meeting my every single need because there's just, there's never a day that I forget that I have everything I need and I don't need to use the word need. And I think many of us are in the same boat. But then I also say, thank you for giving me all the resources to do what I'm called to do. Because if my soul calls me to build an event like it has several times to partner with this organization in Africa or Syria or, um, you know, to be able to just afford organic food for my body so that I can thrive and be in the highest alignment with myself so that I can be the best version of me for the world, then I want to have the resources to do that. And why not? And so this is where a lot of people get caught up is that because around us, so many people are preaching this story of, if you have more than others, you are greedy. And if you really care about equality, then you won't ask for any more. And my one of my big big missions in this world is that by the time by the next 20 years our generation is going to completely eradicate poverty. But that doesn't mean that I that I need to dull down my light in order to make that happen. That doesn't mean that I have to dishonor what my soul is asking me to do and that doesn't mean that I have to play a smaller game when it comes to money. Just because we have these high soul callings to um, participate in money in a bigger way than other people do, it doesn't necessarily mean that we are anti equality like I am so for bridging this gap like I am a hundred percent for bridging this gap in terms of consciousness in terms of ensuring nobody in our world goes without and I think that that's really got to be the number one priority for our generation, a hundred percent, but sometimes our soul requires us to to attract more money so that we can build things that matter for people, so that we can circulate money in the direction of those who need it. And so if we can understand that, I mean, God, there's just so much I could go into here, but if we can understand that we are not owning money, but we are circulating it and generating it, then perhaps we won't feel so bad about allowing ourselves to receive the amount that we, we require for our soul to evolve ours meant to evolve so this has got nothing to do with the amount and this has got nothing to do with oh well I want to have this amount of money I want to be x rich I want to be this rich and so it's like how do you require money to play on your team for you to live in the highest alignment and it could be I just need enough to be able to Eat organic food, or afford yoga each week, or whatever, and that's your highest alignment. Or you could be an Elon Musk, and you need money to build Tesla and Solar City, and. Now he's building like this underground transport system, this completely sustainable underground transport system. Imagine if Elon Musk had the same money story as someone who just wanted enough money to be able to afford yoga each week. Both of the stories are beautiful. Both of the soul's journeys are beautiful, but it's just one person requires more in able to do what they're required to do for the world. So I think this idea of alignment is so important that we can stop and realize, hold on a minute, what am i what do I really want? How worthy I am to have it? Or perhaps I'm judging myself um, as a conscious, aware, awake, heart-centered person that I will be taking away from people if I ask for more myself, and this is where the conversation has to change to uh, you know, we are sometimes being called to build beautiful things for the world, create things for the world, and if we are constantly ignoring how money can participate with us then perhaps we are doing less for the world than if we can just be in alignment with what we're being called to do so you know if we can just get into alignment with you know what is your money story working for you right now whether you do want to build something big or whether you just want to thrive a little more whether you just want to not be worrying about your bills whether you just want to be able to afford to go to personal development events have the tickets Can you just own the fact that money is allowing you to do this and that money does have a role to play in the evolution of your soul, in the way you thrive, and also in a way that we actually change the world in the direction of consciousness? So... If there's people listening who are just like, okay, well, I don't want to build anything big. You know, that's crazy for me. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to build um, communities in Africa. I don't want to do what Elon Musk does. That's fine. Can you at least own the fact that you deserve to have what you need to thrive? And that abundance does not mean that by you having more, someone else is going to have less. And that that doesn't take away from our goal of really giving a shit about this world and really making sure that those who have nothing can have the basics that they need. And I think that that's what we need to stop borrowing those stories that make us pick. You know, like I want to have organic food, but I'm still going to always make sure that I am distributing income and that I'm I'm working on things that help the, the gap become closer together and there's not people struggling so I think that people just got to stop um, throwing guilt all over themselves and to start being like hold on a minute how can I thrive and how can I actually do more for the world and do more for the causes I care about because I got out of the way of my crappy old stinky money story because right now everybody is like well you know this company sucks because it's not sustainable. And ra The only way for us to flip it around and create a more conscious world is if we, the heart-centered, conscious people, s- start playing right. And that doesn't mean we have to all get rich. It doesn't mean we have to all want to drive Ferraris. And you know, I'm. If you look at my handbag right now, it's an eighty-dollar one that's indestructible. It's like. It doesn't mean you have to want to be frivolous. It just means get out of the way of what money is trying to do in your life because you could actually be, it could actually reward the world and reward consciousness a lot more than you you playing the scarcity game.
0: Mm, I couldn't agree more. It took me A little while to rewrite my money story. Like I mentioned before about my dad, you know, they didn't have a lot of money, but my mum was also one of eight children. And they, you know, five of the girls would have to sleep in one bedroom with, you know, a couple of single beds to share. And it was really challenging. So for me, I had all the common limiting blocks that a lot of people. Have and what the block is, or what the thought is, doesn't even matter. I love what you said. It's like, is it working for you right now? Are you happy with your money story? If you're happy, great, high five to you. But if you're not happy, it's time to do something about it. And this is where your exercise of rewriting your money story is so powerful. And something I love about you, Peter, is you refer to money as a her. And you say that money is always listening. Now, I've always said the universe is always listening. But when, you know, we became friends and you started saying money's always listening and and referring it to her, it really shifted something within me. And I've done a lot of work on rewriting my money beliefs, but it has allowed me to soften toward money a little bit more and just appreciate it even more. I don't know why. I can't really explain it, but you know, just having, you know, you in my ear, referring to it as a her and reminding me that it's energy and, you know, saying it's always listening, like it's really hit home for me. And I have, you know, my husband, whom you've met, he didn't grow up with limiting money blocks. So, which I found really, really interesting because he's got two siblings and they do have limiting money blocks. And I thought, okay, well, why doesn't he, like what happened, you know, to him that he didn't get it? So I went investigating and I realized that that just wasn't his path. Like to have these limiting blocks wasn't his path. I mean, he's got other things that he's working on, um, but that wasn't his path. And he's really inspired me. Like he's always had this abundant belief. He's just like, yeah, why not? Like, why can't you do that? Or why can't you afford that? And he's like, oh, if you say that, you're not going to be able to do that. So I've ha- I've got this beautiful example in front of me, but I definitely had to do some rewriting on my own. And um, I just wanted to ask you as well, why do you refer to money as a she?
1: Um, I mean, I I refer to money mostly as an, as an energy. And I think that however we want to put it, whether it's he or she, I think sometimes referring us to a she will soften. Like you said, will soften it for, and it will make us realize that it's an energy just like everything else. And I think if we can be more, we can be less brash and hateful towards money, then we're going to dissolve all of these energetic blocks that we have, um, that either repel it or welcome it into our world. So, you know, money is an energy. I think everybody knows that's so a story first. It's an energy second. And, you know, I think of money as coming from source, God, universe, and going straight back there. And I think that you know, I just wrote about it the other day, money does have ears, like you said. And if we can remember that money has ears and is always listening to us, perhaps we'll stop talking about it as if it's like the most evil creature in the world. Because this is the thing, people talk about it as if it's, you know, it only goes to them, the rich get rich and the poor get poor. And if only I had enough money and I can't afford it, just just constantly bagging money out and wondering why it's not coming. If we can just stop and, and give money a little bit of a persona almost where whether it's a he or whether it's a she, but just honor the fact that it's an energy and that You know, maybe some people have beliefs that it shouldn't be here and we'd be better off without money. You know, I can understand that, but it is here. And, you know, when I think about what money does for when you hand ten when I you know when you hand ten dollars to someone who hasn't eaten in two days, is it is it a divine entity then? Like when you see that person smile? Like when is it when is money divine and when it's not? Like when you can buy four weeks worth of nappies and take it to a new mom does it feel like a divine energy then? It does. So if we can change how we actually see it, like physically see it, like what is money? Is it just this paper? Is it this thing that we see on our online banking screen? If we can give it an energy and we can recognize it as, um, you know, just like every other energy in the world, it goes where it's welcomed and it doesn't go where it's repelled. It's just, that's how energy works. If we can just stop and take our charge off money and realize that perhaps we do see money as like this, this devil with these devil horns and just this red cape and just this furiously evil thing, then we can perhaps start to love and appreciate it. And that doesn't mean worship it. It doesn't mean make it more important than love, kindness, generosity, presence, um, community, and all those things which are invisible and beautiful. It just means can we stop and appreciate what it actually allows us to do? And however we have to see it to understand that, whatever we have to call it to understand that, I just think that working on our relationship with it, whether it's a she and soften it and have it feel like it's like a feminine energy in our life, whether it's a he whatever it is for you to have you be able to just uh re-identify like recreate money as something that feels good to you because we don't have a super duper awful long time here and it's like money is a part of our game and it's going to be a part of our game for as long as we're here at least so why not start playing with it in a way that feels better why not start acknowledging it as energy that can do so much freaking good in this world and it can rebuild systems that doesn't work it can create conscious companies that reward our planet we can create a different story for the collective where it can bridge the gap between those who have nothing and those who have a lot like we can completely rewrite this story but we have to soften to money and stop uh, and stop seeing it just as the worst thing in the world that hates our guts because like i said before money doesn't judge us we judge money. Money wants to help us with our life purpose. That's why it's here. Again, we can argue all day long that, well, you know, the the world would be better if we didn't have it and we just traded our skills. Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, and I'm all for that. Like, my number one freaking mission here is that people, no one goes without, but money is here. We didn't create, like, it's here. So how do we play a better game? How do we soften this charge around it? How do we be more conscious with it? How do we let it reward our lives and allow us to thrive and live in more alignment? How do we use it in the direction of consciousness? How can we use it to achieve all of these goals we have for humanity? Like how can we play a better and more rewarding money game rather than just playing the same old freaking song just I wish it wasn't here. It'd be better if we just traded our skills. Like it's just, it's just not getting us anywhere. We've just got to change the story. We've just, we just got to do a better job. And you know, it is going to be these, these beautiful conscious people of the world who are going to do that. Like you don't like what Trump is doing. Like play, play, you know what I mean? Like, don't just watch the TV, like play, build something, create something, like give to people, like play, like stop looking at the leaders of the world for the ones who are going to, build the world that we want. Like we've got to play and it's and it, money is a, it's a part of that. And like I said, it's not to be worshipped, but it's to be, I suppose, just acknowledged for the teammate that it can really be, you know, and not just this annoying thing that just stresses us out every two weeks when we see our pay or whatever.
0: It's so true. Like many years ago when I was thinking about what i wanted to stand for and what I, what legacy i wanted to leave and and what i wanted to do in the world and that is to inspire women to become wildly wealthy fabulously healthy and bursting with love right and when i was thinking about wildly wealthy that is being wealthy in every area of your life, like not just your bank balance. Like, I want people to realize that they can feel wealthy in every area and they can be rich and abundant in every area of their life. Abundance in all areas of my life didn't happen until I really, really rewrote my money story. And I wrote it because I was freaking bored of the one that was playing in my mind that you can't afford this, or you're not worthy of this. Or, you know, I had a friend in my early twenties who always used to say, I can't afford it. I can't afford it. I can't afford it. And I was like, of course you can't afford it, you know? And I just got sick and tired of it. And- You know, becoming financially free is a massive goal for a lot of people. And, you know, your avenue was through the network marketing business model, but there are so many paths to abundance. So what are some steps that people can take today
1: to become financially free? Everything starts with our energetic instruction to money. You can't, like, there is no lack of business advice in the world. Like, you can read any amount of books on how to invest, what to invest in, how to budget, how to do business. Like, you can get that practical information all over the place. Of course, it's easier said than done, right? Like, there's obviously a big journey when it comes to business and investing and stocks and all that stuff, but you can find it anywhere, if you're not taking care of your own energetic environment and your own energetic instruction when it comes to money, then all the money in the world can want to come to you, but it literally won't be able to live at your house if you're not tidying your energetic area up. So It all begins with our own money story, our relationship with money and our money identity. And they're all essentially the same. Our story dictates our relationship with money, what we call it, how we talk about it. And then our relationship with money dictates our identity, how we see ourselves with money. Like your friend, I can't afford it. That's their identity. So like you said, if you say you can't afford it, you're not going to be able to afford it. That person who you know, who wants to have more money, but splits bills down to the, down to the five cent, you know, that's an instruction, that's an identity that you want to clean up if you want to live more abundantly. And then, um, I think it's, it's just pre like cleaning up our energetic environment very much is about appreciating money, but really, really getting aligned with how do I want money to play in my life? Cause here's the thing. Some people say they want to have a lot of money, and they actually don't. And then they feel so crap because they're not having a lot of money, but their soul doesn't really want them to have a lot of money. And then vice versa. Some people really require a lot of money to fulfill their goals, but they are pretending they don't. It's that misalignment. So aside from cleaning up the energetic environment, which um, I could go on forever, and I think you'll give the link to the free five-day thing that I did so that people can yes. go deeper. Yeah. Cause I just, I can't go into all of it right now. Yeah. But in terms of Practical. So my first business was network marketing and I did find it to be the greatest um, avenue for just, I was just a, a science geek. I didn't have business experience. So that industry really taught me about money, about people, about leadership, about, um, you know, casting a vision, about speaking, about you know, setting goals, casting all the things that it was like a, a. I always say network, network marketing is like a sister to entrepreneurship. It just doesn't have all the risk of entrepreneurship. It's, it's a very easy way to get in, but it's not for everyone. So that was, that was the beginning of my journey. And it really did allow me to learn about money, build wealth, and allow me to then continue to follow my callings. And so after that, I, um, I, went into more traditional entrepreneurship. And I still have a thriving network marketing business, but my callings led me somewhere new. And it was very much about um, this wider world of my generation and serving people all over the world and creating programs. And um, I just built an online playground that we just launched today and things like that. And, and my husband and I just launching a foundation to honor our daughter who's about to be born in the next month. So it, it allowed me to move on to that. But Everybody has their own vehicle and it's just it's so hard to it's so hard to tell people which vehicle to choose but the first thing people have to decide is am i willing to clean up my energetic environment am i am i really committed to taking the charge and the hate out of my money story and going to work on rewriting it from the inside out and then what will happen is money will show up for you differently. You know, you will be guided. Um, you will be given ideas. You will be um, shown opportunities. You know, things will show up. Whether it's a network marketing opportunity, whether it's an opportunity to partner in a business with someone, whether or not you just want to build a not-for-profit. You know what I mean? And that and that might be someone's um, ultimate goal. You know what I mean? That might symbolize financial freedom for people is that I just want to be involved in like a a foundation where I just I'm taken care of and I just get to give or it could be (laughs) it could be speaking or coaching or um, whatever you know obviously I love network marketing and vehicles like that for their residual income I think that that is the power of them but there are you know it's you just have to be um, I suppose open and listen to what feels most aligned for for you and you can't do that if you're repelling money with your energy all the time as soon as you can start to welcome it things will show up whether it's a business opportunity whether it's network marketing whether it's an investment whether it's um you know just god like the the practicalities of it they're they're endless but it it will all you just can't go anywhere in terms of the how until you stop and you be like, okay, I am going to clear up my money house so that when I do find my vehicle or when I do find, um, and to be honest, Mel, it, for some people, they their financial freedom is not in actually having more money. It's just in not hating money. Like that's their financial freedom. It's like they don't need any more. And a lot of people, to be honest, don't need anymore. Their soul is not calling them to build these big things. Like sometimes I I think to my soul, I say to my soul, like, fuck, do, do I really need to keep building all this stuff like kind of like but my soul is very clear no Peter I want you to create this foundation I want you to build this playground I want you to build these hubs around the world like it's very clear to me that I I need to constantly be a vessel to circulate money in the direction of consciousness and and to play a big game but there are a lot of people around me and so my best friends they don't need a cent more to be aligned and they don't want a cent more to be aligned and the greatest gift that I've been able to give them is to their financial freedom is not in residual income, believe it or not. It's in them being fine with the fact that they have everything they need and they don't want anymore. So that's the financial freedom that many people don't explore. It's that, do you require more to live your life's purpose and to live in alignment with your higher self and to honor your soul's calling? If yes, clean up your energetic environment, welcome it in, own it and go for it because the the vehicles are endless. If no, then can you allow your financial freedom to just be the fact that you have everything you need and that feels amazing to you and that you have a beautiful relationship with money and that you can afford food, take care of your family, you're doing what you love every day? Can that just be your financial freedom right there? And I think if we can realize that this is not about the amount, it's about the alignment and it's about letting money play the role in our life that our soul wants it to play and recognizing that our soul and money don't have to be different games. They are the same game. And when we think that's financial freedom, bridging our soul, our soul's evolution and our soul's desires and our money story together as one, that is when we reach financial freedom, no matter what vehicle um, you choose it. Because you could do something like network marketing or investing or real estate and you could still not be financially free because you're, you haven't taken care of your energetic environment. You know what I mean? You, you could still be striving for millions and your soul doesn't give a shit about millions or you could be, you know what I mean? It's just, it's alignment. Financial freedom is complete and utter alignment with your soul's purpose and your money story. Mm, totally. And
0: some people that I've spoken to I've said to them, you know, if, if you won the lotto, would you do anything differently? And some people are like, no, I'm content, you know. And so it is different for everyone and it's about tuning in and getting aligned. I love that you've just kept on dropping that word, alignment, align, align, all the whole way through the podcast so far. So I'm curious to know now What is one thing that you're currently working on or would like to improve or work on within yourself at the moment? Is there anything that's really
1: at the front for you? Yeah. I mean, there's always so much stuff. It's like just when you think that you've mastered a level, along comes another one. Like I think of life as like a Crash Bandicoot game. Once we master level eight, then level nine presents itself, and we have some new exciting things to master. Then it's just so fun, <laughs> but never ending. Um, but I did a post the other day on my wall, and it was about um, real leadership is about uh, really taking responsible for our own responsibility for our own vibration when the world is really confusing us and in my life, I get really bothered and really upset. Like I just saw before we get on this call that Trump didn't sign the Paris climate deal. And I feel really upset by things like that. And I feel really affected by them. That's, that's part of, I think many of people like me and you and people on this call, we do feel a big responsibility for the world. And we do feel upset when things like this happen. Like it's just, it's part of our, our superpowers. Right. But I've been recently just, just really trying to learn the difference between when it's time for me to act and speak. And when it's time for me to just focus on the vibration I'm gifting to the world and really never, ever forgetting that the vibration I'm gifting to the world, the energy I'm gifting to the world today, the the best me I'm gifting to the world today is always the most important thing. And if I'm going to be protesting or speaking or writing and constantly in the action of my work without taking care of the vibration, then I'm sort of missing the point. And that's really big for me because I'm such a doer. I'm such a, I can speak out on things. I can do all that stuff, but then sometimes I will you know, be in judgment for people like this President, or be in judgment for people who pollute the earth and and just and be in this vibration that is not getting us anywhere. So I can be like the greatest protest and the greatest. Um, philanthropists or whatever, I can be all those things, but my vibration needs to be what the world needs it to be, and that's how I. Tr- that's where I truly believe my leadership work is in recognizing. Okay, it's easy for me to be offended and pissed off that this happened on this side of the world. It's easy for me to cry tears when people are bombed in Baghdad. It's easy for me to go to bed wondering like, why is this going on? But where my work is as someone who cares about the world is, okay, well. How clean is my world? How clean is my environment? Like, where am I judging? Where I really don't need to judge? Where am I? um, Where am I sitting on my laptop for eight hours a day and not going for a walk into nature? Where am I forgetting to play each day? Where am I forgetting to? Where am I being so caught up in my work that I haven't sent my mom a text saying I love you in the last three days? Like those things that. That make us our full and whole and generous vibration for the world. That matters the most, and then our action matters second. And I think that's been such a huge part of my journey. Is okay, what vibration I'm gifting the world today? But secondly, also just never. And this is again. And I think you know we talk about Mean Girl. One of my Mean Girls' greatest jobs is the is the beating myself up story like that's like one of her favorites her old time like whip it out of her toolbox why don't I just get Peter to beat herself up it's like
0: I'm sure everyone can relate to that
1: (laughs) yeah and I call it my favorite thing to now teach in leadership is being human as fuck and excuse my French, but it's just it's realizing that yeah we we care a lot about the world, we're you know we're we're trying to do these big great things and whatever, but we're human, and that's part of our magic so i'm I'm trying not to get so caught up in you know like judging am I in integrity, am I not in integrity was I impeccable today was I not, and to just just try to honor my humanness and try and honor like the contrast in my life and the contradictions in my life as being full and whole and just as beautiful as the times when i feel you know like i am empowered and inspired as the times when i feel like i am you know struggling and out of integrity and just own and just own and honor them all as 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 one and to stop beating myself up when you know, I'm, I care about the planet so much, but I have freaking glad wrap in my drawer. Like I don't need to beat myself up about that. Like I still care about the planet. And yet sometimes I open my drawer and I see the glad wrap and I'm like, you hypocrite. And then Get like, rid of the freaking glad wrap. Yeah, exactly. And then part of me is like, but the glad wrap's so handy, Peter, like you can recycle it. Like you don't need to put it in the ocean. And then the other part of me is like, well, there's other solutions, Peter. Like, do you really not care? Can you just go and find a better solution? And so it's just like this, and just owning like, you know what? I do care a lot but I'm not I'm not impeccable and I'm not 100% perfect and I just don't think I'm ever going to be and that doesn't mean yeah, I'm not no living means. in integrity it doesn't mm-hmm. it means I'm always aiming for alignment and integrity but I'm fine with when I'm just not I'm fine with when I'm just not this impeccable human being because my heart is where my heart is and I'm still learning and if I didn't have anything to learn then I wouldn't be here I'd already have crossed over and be you know hanging out with Michael Jackson and Steve Jobs but I'm here because I have things to learn and I think that's what we have to realize like we are here because we are relevant here like we have things to learn at this university otherwise we would have danced our way over to the other side so totally. that's why that's what I'm working on now not beating myself up and I'm um, taking responsibility for my vibration when I feel angered by things that go on in the world and just realizing that you know things like play and love and, you know, you know, and I love about you how much you value like one-on-one connection and community because it's so powerful, you know, and sometimes I get so caught up in my work, um, you know, that it's like those are the things that would raise my vibration and be the greatest gift for my day and sometimes I have to realize like, no pity, you don't have to write a big fiery blog post today like you just need to go and look some people in the eye and have a cup of cacao like it's it's that's sometimes our most powerful work as well so
0: totally and I think where a lot of people fall short for themselves is they're striving for this perfection, like get over it, perfection. What like, what even is it? Just strive for your own brilliance within you, whatever that means, whatever that looks like for you, because we're all unique and we're all individual and striving for this perfect life or perfect body or perfect health. It's it's just get over it. I'm I'm so bored of that word perfect. I'm so I'm so bored of it. Just be the best version of you. And I love how open and honest you are. I really love that about you. So thank you so much for sharing what you would like to work on and improve within yourself. Well, of course. So my next question is I've got a couple more quick questions. Let's pretend you have a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world.
1: This is like my most feared question ever (laughs) because I have like 400 books. I'm such a book nerd and I, I read books in Like I will have 10 on the go, literally. And this is like a secret. I don't know if I've ever told anyone this except my husband. But next to my bed, I have about 12 books stacked up and I'll pick one each night to read. But the reason I leave them next to my bed is because I secretly believe that I will read them in my sleep and that they will go into my head. And so, you so I literally believe that. And so I'm like, I just know that I'm like receiving these messages via osmosis in the middle of the night. People come into my house. They're like, why don't you put those books in a bookshelf? And I'm like, because I read them when I'm asleep. Like, don't you know that that's like a thing that we can do? But anyway, so this is really tough because I absolutely love books. Um, God, there's just so many um, I'd like to think my new book coming out later on is going to be is going to be the one I'd recommend. But before that comes out, God, it's just so many. Can I give like just five ish? <laughs> no, one, just one, just one. God, it's just so hard.
0: Um You're like, can I give fifteen? Is that cool? God,
1: the, oh, you know, it's just so hard. Maybe. Because there's just so many. There's like spirit and there's leadership and there's money and there's business and there's just so many. But perhaps a real basic one which covers everything is Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life by Wayne Dyer, which is a new version mm. of the Tao. I think that's pretty solid no matter what your beliefs. It's just a pretty uh, nice one. But then, you know, also like The Big Leap and Whatever Arises, Love That. And right now I'm reading Room Wisdom, which is Grateful Mothers. Like it's just, <laughs> We're just so lucky to people who write books. We really are. Like, I I love people who write books. I'm so grateful.
0: I'll have to come over and borrow some of yours because my husband, he, like, makes me read off the Kindle and (laughs) I'm like, can I please buy more books? He's like, no more books. Like, you have enough. And I'm like, but please, please can I get more books?
1: He's put a book ban on me. Oh, no, you can definitely come over. It's the
0: main. (laughs) Um, all right. So let's talk about how your day looks. Do you have a morning routine? How does it look? How do you prime yourself for the day? Like, or do you have a couple of non-negotiables? I love getting inside the brains of amazing people that I love and working out their little non-negotiables for the day. So can you tell me if you have any that you do in the morning or whether they're throughout the day or how you set yourself up for success?
1: So typically, um, and right now I'm th- 36 weeks pregnant, so it's, it's starting to look a little different. But typically I'm like such a I'm such a routine person. And that's another thing I'm trying to like loosen up with. But the mornings are everything to me. And that's when I'm like creatively at my best. That's when I am f- the most accessing my ideas and my downloads. So I really try not to waste that on things like social media or emails or things I can do in the afternoon. So for me, when I wake up in the morning – um, I always do not turn my phone on. So I don't, I don't want to check in with the agenda of the world when I wake up. It's just, I just want to, uh, check in with myself first. And that I I really try and stay true to that. Of course, some days in my life when I'm feeling just a little more wound up, I will leap for my phone. But in general, 97% of the time, i say I don't check my phone for the first hour, sometimes three hours of the day, because I just, I don't want to be distracted from what is the most important to me. So when I wake up, typically I will meditate, um, not as strict as I used to be in terms of actually meditating. Sometimes it's a yoga stretch. Sometimes I'll put some nice uh, music on and just do some um, spiraling, like to get ready for birth. (laughs) But, But if I'm not pregnant... Um, just, just anything which I call in the morning, a spirit routine, whether it's journaling, whether it's, um, writing out what I'd like to, um, manifest, whether it's sitting and meditating, whether it's going for a walk in nature. So it's always, I think of it in three words, move, meditate, manifest. I always try and touch all of those three things in the morning in some way. Um, and you know, right now my movement is like some yoga or a walk, but when I'm not, when I'm not in Um, pregnancy mode i am going to do something probably a little bit more intense and then i will create and so in my calendar my first i actually chunk my calendar into um like symbols so the first part of my day is called dolphin like the first hour it's called dolphin and i will swim like it it to me, it symbolizes what a dolphin does. It's very playful and connected. So the first hour of my day, I symbolize the dolphin. It's playful and it's connected. It's when I tune in and it's when I um, just get myself feeling like I want to feel that day. Whether If I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, how can I just shake that off and you know feel good? And then my next part of my day is called Disney because it's all about creating. So if you look at my calendar, I've got a dolphin emoji and then I've got a Disney emoji. And my Disney emoji is just um, for right now, it's writing my book. Um, If I'm working on an event, it's writing the content for the event. If it's, um, you know, it's, it's whatever I need to create in that time. And that will literally be probably two, three or four hours, depending on which part of my life I'm in. So always in the morning is Disney time. And then I will, after that, when my brain starts to be like, okay, you know, we cool, like you've done enough creating. (laughs) And it's just, I sort of hit that point where nothing good is coming through anymore. Then it will be, you know, food or emails, something that I'm I'm happy to do as long as I've had my Disney time. Because the Disney time to me is everything, creating something. And then the afternoon, really, it's right now. I'm trying to actually leave my phone off because I'm pregnant. and I'm trying to get um, ready for birth, but it's usually answer emails, get on calls, um, just do the things which don't require um, really like my creative tap. So I, I say like I'm a maker in the morning and I'm a manager in the afternoon. And in the evening, it's nothing. And I'm really big on that. I don't. I don't work in the evenings. I don't work on the weekends unless it's like I've got an event, of course, um, unless it's like a, I did a podcast last week with someone in Europe who was in the UK. I couldn't avoid the weekend, the week night, which was fine. But but as a rule, like the evenings is just no phones for us. And um, so I'm really big on on turning the phones off in the evening and leaving them off in the morning and just not checking in other people's agenda and can be being completely human it doesn't always go that way but it's it's our intention my husband and I it's our goal um and so those are really my um those are really my things but I, I I'm trying to just have less screen time right now and to just to just real, realize the power in like okay this chapter isn't flowing for me right now I'm gonna get up and walk to the beach and we're so lucky to be in Bondo, right so we can get up and walk to the beach, and then we come back and it's like, okay, well, thank you a million ideas that I didn't have before. Like, why don't I go to the beach more often? But it's, it's always, so that's what I'm learning now is really like pity, you know, that staring at a screen, like trying to get through your creative, like struggles by staring at the screen for an hour is generally not how your tap's going to turn on. You might want to get up and, you know, go and smell some flowers or go to a cafe or, you know, circulate energy. So, just circulate some energy and get up and go and see people and just break up the day and break up the week and break up the routine. But, but it's, it's really hard for people to get me out of the morning. Like I'm, I'm just in the habit of, if anyone says you want to do anything in the morning, I just, I, it's almost like my, I just, I, I would be so confused to do anything in the morning, but create, cause it's just, it's just Disney time for me, you know? I
0: love that. It's so good. I love that. I love it. It's very similar to how I work. You know, the first few hours is definitely meditation, movement, hopefully getting outside and then it's knuckle down. Um, Then I break for lunch and hopefully eat lunch in the sun if it's beautiful and, you know, my husband's home and we'll have lunch together. And then the afternoon is more podcast interviews and meetings and emails and social media. And then when we've got my little boy, it's picking him up. And then I'm the same. There is no work at night time. The computers are put away. The phones are on airplane mode. Of course, that doesn't always happen, but we do our very, very best, and it's family time. You know, it's trying to limit as much screen time as possible. So I um, thank you for sharing that. Now, I would love to hear. I've got three little rapid-fire questions for you. What is one of the most important things
1: that we can do today for our health? cleanse I think is super important just cleansing I miss cleansing being pregnant but just cleansing whatever that means intermittent fasting or juice cleansing or whatever I think it's just important to do it every now and again regardless of how healthy we eat because it's in the environmental toxins which are which sometimes are the craziest
0: Mm. I think I know the answer
1: to the next question but what is one of the most important things we can do for wealth Uh, appreciate money, change your money story and get into alignment with what you want money to mean in your life. Mm, Beautiful. And what is
0: one of the most important things that we can do for love, for more love in the world?
1: Uh, I think, I mean, and it sounds cliche, but I think it is uh, when we say really love ourselves, it's like really love ourselves. So I see self-care as what we gift ourselves. And I see self-love is how much of those gifts we actually receive. And that's been my biggest journey before I met my husband is that I I was doing a lot for self-care, you know, meditation, eating really well, exercising, having um, perhaps not having as much time off as I would have liked. But when it came to receiving those gifts, that's where I was struggling. So I realized that my self-care game was strong, but my self-love um, my self love game wasn't and it was partly cuz of my mean girl so i think that it's 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 self care and self love gifting yourself self care but making sure you really receive it which is self love
0: mm, beautiful couldn't agree more and finally what is one thing that i personally and our beautiful listeners can do to serve you today
1: oh i mean I don't know. I just, I just think, <laughs> just maybe, I don't know. Just feel, just feel good. You know, I love. I just love hearing people that feel, they feel good, and they feel like they are, um, just feeling more aligned and in their tap, and not in, not with their hose all kinked up, as I like to say. But I just love, I just love hearing what, that people are feeling better, and that you know, specifically when we speak about things like money and alignment, that people are feeling more empowered to um to to play a game as like a beautiful conscious human and to drop the guilt and to just play so I think you know that's the greatest gifts I can ever get is things like that you know down the track when my book's out of course I want everyone to go and grab it but (laughs) but my greatest wants is just that people just live in alignment and so they can contribute more to this planet because that's ultimately what I care about the most is that we're, you know, we're taking care of our planet, we're taking care of each other. Mm,
0: Absolutely. Well, I just want to acknowledge you and thank you so much for being such a beautiful heart-centered trailblazer and for following your heart and mastering your inner mean girl and doing all the beautiful work that you do in the world and for being such a amazing strong powerful voice for all of us I'm so honored to have met you and to have you in my life and living a few streets away from me Mm -hmm. is pretty freaking awesome I know i'm just so grateful and keep doing what you're doing and i'm so honored to have you on the show today so thank you so much
1: oh thanks mel i feel the same about you i'm so grateful to have met you and after having so long of a million mutual friends it's just so awesome to be connected and i'm so grateful you had me on your show so i could you know speak to your amazing people and i'm so excited for everything that we're going to be able to create together in the future exactly me too and all the best with your
0: birthing of your little gorgeous angel i can't wait to meet her i know not long (laughs) yay thanks darling i am super pumped for you guys to rewrite your money story And once you've done it, maybe post it on Instagram and tag Peter and I so we can both see it. I would love to see it. So please do that. And if you love today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a five star review in iTunes because that means we can not only inspire more people together, but we can get on even more epic humans just like Peter. And don't forget to tell me who else you would like me to have on the show. And make sure you do that on Twitter by tagging me at mel underscore Ambrosini and the person you want me to interview using the hashtag The Melissa Ambrosini Show. And for everything that Peter and I mentioned in the podcast today, you can check out in the show notes and that is at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 29. And you can check out all my other episodes there too. So thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You seriously rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from rewriting their money story, please share this podcast episode with them right now. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy definitely isn't a dirty word.